The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. So hello there and welcome to episode 7 of The Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows, he's Chris Wellerman. Good to be here, as always. All right. Yes, very good. Um, just before we talk to this week's guest, Mr. David Kelly, aka Ned Kelly, which we'll get on to, um, I have a little bone to pick with you. Oh. Um, you went away on holiday recently. Think Pe- I've got a tan? <laughs> I'm just saying, I've, yeah. I've, I've got a bit of colour back. I've, I've, you do look, you look, you do look good I'm for the going, vitamin D. I'm going. Um, but you didn't bring me anything back. And it's been a, a while now. We've done another podcast in between. Have I really not I, brought I you thought, anything back? Have I, you not shared? Have you not shared? As I feel, I feel I've shared with you. I'm just I'm sure you have shared with me. We can't talk about <laughs> what you shared with me. But um, we, you know, I was when we did the Carl Henry recording. I thought mm, it's all right. It's maybe maybe he's forgotten. Maybe it's just very busy. Here we are. Still nothing. Oh. Wait, my friend. Oh, oh, oh. That's all I can say. Sounds like a promise. It does sound like a promise. Hello, Ned, by the way. Hi, mate. Uh, I a bit rude. <laughs> I needed to get that business out of the way between us before I could introduce you. It'll be interesting to see what he gives you then, won't it? Yeah. Got some, some sand, his name, and some sand. <laughs> <laughs> Off your flip-flops. Um, last week's episode, before we get on to this week's, Carl Henry, um, I fascinating. Like, And no pressure on you here Dave but um, Carl was one of those people that's kind of not afraid to confront not, anything however difficult it may be uh, yeah I, I, I've known Carl from when I when I when I met him the day I walked into the door at Stoke City in 2000 uh, and he's always been the same uh, no matter the age definitely way beyond his years and uh, very opinionated he wears his heart on his sleeve but he doesn't back down from from anything, you know, I think he's very argumentative. I think he's the perfect captain. Uh, probably, a, and he said himself, probably a nightmare to to Mick because he felt that he had a <clears throat> responsibility to the players. But that's the way that I remember. He was my first roomie, and uh, he's sitting talking to financial advisors, saying about what he needs to be earning uh, when he retires, so that he can have the same. And this is this is like a nineteen year old. Boy, you know what I mean. He was switched on, yeah. uh, and he's he's not changed one one bit. Kids, one of the things that he said in his podcast was about um, that he, if he became a manager, he'd treat situations differently than he viewed them as a player. You've obviously gone into that coaching side. Did you find that when you suddenly were on the other side of it and you were in the management team? Hundred percent. You you think yeah. and did that make you think differently about stuff you'd done in your career? Absolutely, um, you you can't uh, you can't be a coach, a manager, um, an assistant, um, whichever role that you've got. You can't have your you can have a player's head on, but you can't act and behave like a player. You have to you have to change what you're what you're doing. You really do. I mean, I was mad as a box of frogs, and and still am, arguably. Um, but definitely, definitely, I had to change uh, lots of things that. I used to do as a player um, when I went on the coaching side. I think uh, we all we all believe that we'd make the best the best manager. You know, when we are playing, oh yeah, why has he done this? Why has he made this decision? And I think there's a certain responsibility on the coaching staff, manager, assistant, whatever it may be, that you there is a bigger picture. It's it's a collective. The team has to go out and get a result. Yes, there's a time where it's it's about one on one and that man management, but that, that definitely comes into it. Mm. But the big picture is you have to do whatever it takes to get that result, put the points on the board on the Saturday, Tuesday, whatever it may be. Uh my question is to you is like obviously I went I was assistant manager at Chester and again you've got a collective of 30, 31 players in front of you. With yourself when you over, how did you how did you find that? You said you you, you have to kind of come out of that that mindset of being a player. How how difficult is that? Because it's it's all we've known, all I've known for twenty years, and all of a sudden then you go and do your coaching badges, and it's you you, you kind of you flirt with it a little bit, but when you're thrown into it, it's a completely it's a completely different ask. It is. I mean the 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 version is that you have to win, you know, whichever whichever way you want to play, whichever way you want to set up. Whatever formation that you decide to go with, the the job is winning. Um, and if you've got a, a gang of thirty-one players, you've got um, obviously you can only start eleven of them. 
that your is phone? That your, I don't think it is. I've turned it off. Somebody's phone in this room, honestly, unprofessional. Yeah. Anyway, come, sorry, on. carry on. <laughs> We're hunting for the phone. So you, you, you've got 31 players or, or whatever amount that's in your squad and you're only picking 11. Um, obviously, there's, there's injuries and there's younger boys and, and that type of thing who aren't, aren't so close to the first team. But the, the pressure is always to win. It's not yeah. always to... to um, because football supporters pay their money to see teams win. Um, you know, so whether you're upsetting people or whether you're not upsetting people is irrelevant. It, become, it gets to the point where it's irrelevant whether you upset somebody because you're leaving them out, you're upsetting somebody because um, you, you're not starting them, yeah. you're putting them on the bench, you're actually leaving them in the stand. Um, but that's the collective man management that, that you have to, have to get right and, and ultimately you're, you're marked by your results and sackings, as we all know these days, happen all the time. Far too frequently, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, every week on the podcast now, we've kind of started putting this question out on social media and getting some interesting responses from it. And this week, I kind of asked people, what's the biggest injustice that fans have seen Wolves suffer? Because you are part of, perhaps, in certainly in recent times, the biggest injustice. And we're going to get onto that in our Facebook show. Um, honestly 30 to 40 people of the responses you know way more than half of the responses were about the certain incident you had at Bolton mm. in the playoff game here's some of the others though and I'm interested Looms is going to let us know of any potential injustices he had and I'm interested whether you had any others in your <coughs> career as well um Ian Deakin said, got to be Bolton and John McGinley. If we'd gone up that year, Sir Jack was still in the spending mood. An outlay of about 10 to 15 million on players could have had us pretty comfortable in the Prem. Russ says, Bolton playoffs. I think most Wolves fans would agree. It was the last real chance we had to give Bully Prem football while he was still at a decent level. And you could tell with that picture of him after full time. Even Jackie Oatley. Hello, Jackie. Uh, She's been in touch, says McGinley, as you may have established. But most definitely, Frank Lampard too. Clearest red card you'll ever see at nil-nil. But Lampard stayed on and scored a late winner. Same ref had previously wrongly sent him off, so it may have been in his mind. Wayne Brooks, Milias being sent off at Arsenal for winning the ball. Then in the next game, Lampard getting a yellow for giving Ward a possible leg breaker. Chris Allen, one that I remember most vividly and angrily, was the last minute equaliser at home to Newcastle in the Prem about six years ago, being chalked off for the ball going behind when it clearly hadn't. We'd had a few shocking calls against us that game and it put the lid on it. Alan Ensby, when Kevin Francis fell over his feet and the ref gave a 90th minute penalty against Blues at home. I think it was 1995, 96 maybe. I think you'd gone by that point. Um, Neil Matteson, Van Lepara getting sent off at home to Bournemouth, was leading 1-0, ended up losing 1-2-1. We miss out on the playoffs on goal difference. They win the league by a point. Van Lepara's card got rescinded. Jake Badger brings up Bakri Sacco's red card against Fernando Forestieri, which was against Watford. And again, that was a game that finished 2-2 and Wolves were in the ascendancy when Sacco gets sent off. And Wolves ended up missing out on the playoffs by goal difference. Again, it's like... I don't know whether you guys think about this differently as players <coughs> to us as fans, because those kind of things still annoy the hell out of everybody. Um, from my point of view, from when John, when John gave me his, uh, his little um, my slap across the face, you know, afterwards the 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 impact of it, because obviously he went on to score, didn't he? Yeah. You know, so which was which was a double whammy. He shouldn't have been on the pitch in the first place. He should have got sent off. And then he goes on and scores. And you go into the dressing room afterwards and realise what's just happened. And you feel it for months and months. You really do. Because it was an injustice. But it's the reason that um, all these things that happen in football are the reasons we all keep coming and watching. The reasons why we're all, we all want to be involved. The dodgy decisions and the poor refereeing decisions, the penalties, the free kicks, the, the throw-ins and all that sort of stuff, that they get wrong. You know, is why we all go in the pub afterwards and talk about it all. You so, know. would you see, would you say then that uh, would you be a fan of VAR? No. Oh, this is no. Honestly, yeah, no. Because it, even even in the World Cup, it was a complete success, wasn't it? But you go, you, you you see that they go to the screen, they have a look, and then they make a strange decision. Still, I saw, I heard um, Stuart Pearce talking about it a, a couple of days ago. And um, he he was saying that there's still part of it, even when you've seen it on the screen, 
that part of the referees, are they going to give what they're going to give? Have they seen it? Have they seen it? The linesman's given what they've given. I'm a little bit um, on the fence with VAR about whether it should be bought in um, purely and simply because I like the idea that they, the referees are human beings and they make mistakes. Players make mistakes, goalkeepers make mistakes. Strikers go through clean on the goal and miss the target. Goalkeepers drop the ball and drop it to strikers' feet. All these things are the, thing, the reasons why football is really, really exciting. If you've got a television in the corner yeah. and you've got to go 30 seconds down, have a look, 30 seconds, come See, back, no, no, no. have a look. I'm going to put this to you then. Okay, so uh, you've got to remember the weight of these decisions, what comes off the back of it. <clears throat> VR. When John McGinley punches you. No, 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 we'll come back to that. We're going to save that for the programme. All right, okay. We're going to save that for the programme. Don't worry, everybody. Whoa, 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 Let's not cut out the gold now. We'll save that. We will come back to that. for me. Injustices. On, yeah, we'll come to you in a second. On VAR, right, and I take your point on it, but I think it's an issue of the implementation, the way they've tried to do it. They don't need to watch everything. I think if you've got a referee of the same level as the referee that's on the pitch that is watching it I don't get why you have to stop the game do you know what I mean like mm. just have why, it why do, they, why do they have the guys behind the goals what are they what are those guys doing when you're watching the things like officials. penalties the extra official what is he actually doing why does he then have to go to the halfway line to have a look yeah. surely he can look across to his colleague but like I have always viewed it, and I think actually in the World Cup they got some of it okay. In the um, <laughs> and, if you've got and also some of it quite well. Yeah, wrong. they did, and it, you never. Right. But like in other sports, you're never going to get everything. And I think for certain things, like for instance, the one that happened to Wolves recently, where the Matt Doherty, they said he was offside, and, yeah. he, and it wasn't. Yeah. We got a TV replay in the press box on that within like thirty seconds. Mm. So the game could have. I mean, they could have allowed the ball to go in. As Wolves are celebrating, referees like onto the video assistant referee and say, "Was that was that onside?" But aren't the honest mistakes the reason that everybody goes afterwards? Yeah, but and some, talks things, about some it. things are so important, aren't they? Like, and you st- as you say, you're still going to get debate on it. Yeah. But for certain things, like an offside decision, there you can you can tell that that's an absolute thing within 20 30 seconds you know that See, was that, on or off. that's my exact argument I, yeah. I, I was on your i was on your on your side of that argument and then you think about what comes off the back of it you know clubs getting relegated with points here jobs changing exactly yeah. and that's so with the money that's in football today i think it's technology is is kicking on massively and the game has to evolve yeah, i i 100% i agree that the the game will evolve and and VR will will come in 100% it will come in but I still think we've got to have that referee's honesty because, you know, they get criticised all the time. They get hammered by everybody, but they have an honesty of giving a decision as they see it. Yeah. And, and that's where I think it might get a little bit cloudy that we then become too critical of the officials, that they're not doing their job properly. Eventually, is it going to happen that, that there's going to be a little robot going up and down the touchline for offsides with a little beeper and a... Uh, <laughs> something that t- that tells that players are a third of an inch offside are the f- officials are the lines people are they so going to get binned off that's another angle that offside it's black or white you know yeah. someone getting taken down in the box it's a grey area because you could yeah. watch it and think is that a penalty and yeah. I'm sitting that's never on the beat you know what I mean not, so really in, not really in the way exactly. not really in the goalkeeper's eye line yeah come on are they offside or not offside <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the same, isn't it? About whether, whether it's ball to hand or yeah, handball. Yeah. If it's in the penalty area, it might not be. If it's anywhere else on the pitch, sometimes it gets given. It, it gets baffling. Anyway, we yeah. will talk more about this in the, the Facebook <laughs> element of it because you wasn't expecting that, were you? Well, I'm fact. Yeah, I'm I'm stunned that you're not in support of it. But we will get to that very shortly. Um, if, as ever, if you have any questions or anything you want us to talk about, any topics that you'd like us to debate on this part of the podcast, you can always get in touch. We are oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk. We are at wolves across social media. And, of course, if you're on Twitter and whatnot, then you can always give a follow to our sponsor, uh, Wolverhampton Building Supplies at WV Build Supplies. The show is coming next. Wolverhampton Building Supplies is a one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Whether you're a professional builder or just looking to put a shelf up at home, they'll supply you with everything you need on time and at the best possible price, and they even do next-day delivery. 
Best of all, their prices include VAT, so there's no awkward surprises at the checkout. So contact their dedicated trade counter team either at the yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk or just give them a call on 01902 500140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows alongside me, Chris Owellamo. Our guest this week spent only two years at Molyneux, yet he was the first man in eight years to outscore Steve Ball. He fired Wolves through a remarkable FA Cup run, including a penalty shootout win over Sheffield Wednesday. And he was the man famously or infamously punched by John McGinley in the playoff semi-final. Welcome to the old gold club, David Kelly, or Ned Kelly. Hi, guys. As you are more (laughs) well-known. There is only one place to start. There is the main thing that I desperately want to talk to you about. What did you do to make John McGinley punch you? (laughs) I I honestly don't know. Hi, guys. Um, I don't know. Um, I remember it quite vividly, really. Um, It was 100% uh, as close as you can get to the perfect red card that he got away with. Um, You know, so there was a corner came in, there was a bit of a scuffle, as usual. There was a melee of bodies going on, and we all came together, and sort of half push, half pull. And then John gives me a little bit of a a tickle on the face. I go down to straight red all day long, and it doesn't happen. Could you just do the new feet? Probably. <laughs> was I supposed to? Oh, I've been there. I've been there. Trust me. I've been in that exact position yeah. in the in the in the wolf shot. Uh, it's quite interesting because obviously the the previous part, but we're speaking about VAR, and I think looking at a situation like that, John McGinley's seen red yeah. and he's gone, isn't he? Yeah. The referee, you could see the, the the tape from all those years ago. The referee was stood five six yards away from it. He saw what went on, and in in his in his because you both got yellow carded. We did, yeah. Yeah. I'm not too sure what I got a yellow card for. It's the referee's reaction there as well, because he goes to McGinley, yeah. grabs McGinley, takes him away from yeah. the situation. It's very evident that he's 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 seen that's right exactly what's happened. But like the game has changed, the officiating has changed so know, much more up, professional. It is, Absolutely. isn't it? Yeah. So I think it's. Uh, but I'm very surprised. That's what just talking about. <clears throat> I'm surprised that you're yeah. saying because it is. I I was in, I had the exact same argument as you saying you go sit in the pub or you're watching the game with your mate and you can go to oh my look at the decision they got wrong there or look at that incident that happened. Whereas, isn't that where the game's got to go now? Because there is it, so much think, dependent on it. Isn't Chris, it? I think that's where it's going. Absolutely. I, you know, I, it's coming in. It's going to be sorted, and and you know we'll obviously debate as we as we go further on. Yeah. I just think that um, from the officials' point of view, I think that um, everybody's saying that they they need more help with everything. I get all that, but I like the fact that they're all honest. Referees and lines people are honest, and they make mistakes like players do, like coaches do. You drag your striker off, you get booed. You put a new player on, you get booed. The manager's yeah. getting hammered. <laughs> yeah, and it's all part of the the. The show, isn't it? It's all part of what football's all about. It's all opinion. Nobody's opinion is more valuable than the next person's. But this is the thing, though, because, say, we've been discussing this on our podcast that you can download now uh, from iTunes, Spotify, and other places. Um, We're talking about being the biggest injustice that many Wolves fans feel. (laughs) And in the context of it, because Looms brought this up, that, you know, certain things happen in games and we debate them and stuff, but it's the difference between you being promoted and being a premiership football team mm. and the players that you played with and people like Steve Ball getting to play in the Premier League premiership in their career and not because John McGinley, if VAR is in yeah. that time, he gets sent off. You play against 10 men for extra time. Likelihood is you go on and win, get to the final. Bob's your uncle, you're in the premiership. Possibly. Nobody's ever going to know, are they? <laughs> and that's, that's the beauty of sport. You know, from one small mistake to a huge decision by an official. It's why we all come back. It's why we all want to go. It's why we all want to watch. It's, it's okay, why okay. it's so good. Okay, I'll, I want you to answer this then. If he does get sent off, would you have won that game? Yes, because he scored. So, <laughs> this is... Like, I mean, he's trying to be fair here, Lou. Right, well, but... yeah. It's... Uh, it, it's I've thought about it, the the VAR situation, and but the World Cup shows us all, doesn't it, that they didn't get them all right either. Even with television replays, they weren't all 100%. There was still a debate. 
So I get all that part of it. I just think that um, if John had got sent off on that day, yes. So the answer is yes, he would have. We would have won the game. Um, and you'd have been in the Premiership with Wolves, possibly. Because <laughs> who's to know after however long was left that they wouldn't have scored a last-minute equaliser, we wouldn't have made a mistake and, and conceded a goal, and somebody else would have scored. You don't know, do you? Nobody can do that. We haven't got the time machine just yet. It's it's coming. It's on its way. Some clever guy in some way is going to invent one. But I just think that um, I still think that it's not perfect. It's not ideal. Um, honestly, I know you're both shocked. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Like I've 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 been in your company before, but never as as close as this. In your your character, your your infectious. Now you were brought to the club to score goals, you know, and something that you done <laughs> properly. First time in what eight years, I think you'd uh, that Steve Ward yeah. had uh, been outscored. What? How did it feel when you came into the dressing room that had such big big characters, big names? Was that was that daunting for yourself? No. Um... I'd, uh, I'm, I, I was really fortunate, Chris. I'd played for really good clubs. Um, just being promoted at Newcastle. Yeah. Um, Kevin had told me that he was replacing me and that he'd, he didn't think I was going to get the, the game time that I wanted. Um, I, asked him, <laughs> I asked him who he was replacing me with and he went, Peter Beardsley. I went, I'd sign Peter Beardsley instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> so I got replaced by Peter. So... and. Coming to the Wolves was an absolute no-brainer for me because it's a huge club, huge fan base. And I thought, right, next chapter, let's go. As easy as that? Yeah, as easy as that. You know, I'd, I'd spoke to a few people. Um, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I think I phoned Bully, actually, and asked him what, what wages he was on to try and sort of negotiate <laughs> my deal. <laughs> I don't think Fathead told me. I, he, he did, actually. He actually said to me, he said, I can't tell you, he said, because I'm on a different wage level to everybody else. So that's why I should have told you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's uh, it, it was honestly it was it was a, a, an easy easy move for me, you know. Graham had uh, had had a conversation with Graham in Birmingham, um, and he was trying to go place. He was trying to get the club into into the to the next level. See, this was Graham Turner. Turner, yeah. At the time, and obviously then that change happened during your first season. Yeah, um, sad that, that that he went, of course. Um, Graham Taylor came in um, and nearly got us there, didn't he? We very, very nearly got there. Um, well, you would have got there if John McGinley had got sent <laughs> off. Yeah. And if we'd have had VAR. <laughs> See, this is what baffles me. That, uh, is it a case of you've had so long now between that happened? You know, it's, what, 23 years? Yeah. Is your view on it now different to what it was at no, the time? Because you must have been angry. After the game, I was we were furious. I remember the, the I remember Graham in the dressing room going absolutely bananas. And you know, you were supposed to give a certain amount of time between the refer- going in to see the referees as a management staff. And he was kicking the door in. You know, he, he really was. He was he was he was furious. But I suppose that that he he himself always used to say that that things level themselves out. You get a dodgy decision one week. You get the dodgy decision yourself in the next week, and he was like quite balanced in that in the way he, he he explained things to us, and that's just how I see it. I've got nothing against John McGinley to, to this day. I There's a lot of Wolves fans who do. It's just one of them things. I've got away with certain things on football pitches that <laughs> I wouldn't, like, like, to, I wouldn't like to point. mention. <laughs> I think it does balance itself out, but I think at that period of time, you know, I'm watching. We watched the video before we uh, we, we came on here, and you, you walk into the referee, and Mikey said it himself. Like you're you're walking to the referee thinking he's seen red here. Um, yeah, he's so you not. He's his, off. You basically do, yeah. you shake his hand to say goodbye. Mikey, Mikey said that <laughs> yeah. you shouldn't have shook his hand. Yeah. It's just like little little moments, isn't it? That yeah, it's like it, it does it does it can it can map out. Yeah, when and, when the referee was called me across because obviously he was taking John John off and he was right next to him, of course. Yeah. I'm walking across thinking, straight red, he's off here. Brilliant. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. You know, great, he's, he's going to get a red card here. And as I've gone over, I'm, I am actually thinking, yeah, well, you'll be off. And I, I, I was shocked for me to get a yellow card. And I, I actually said to the ref, what have I done? And was there not a reaction at that moment when, when, when he wasn't sent off? And you, like the, surely the players and yourself thinking, it, what's going on here? Yeah, it, it, it was... Uh, and... <laughs> the rest, yeah, <laughs> and what then happens, you know, and sadly, sadly for us as as um, Wolves players and and everything, Wolves supporters, we uh, we got knocked out. 
Because is there an element for you then that you look at it and kind of feel as if you shouldn't have been in that position in the playoffs anyway? That you wanted to yeah, get the I automatic think, that year. Yeah, I think I think we were good enough to to have done it. And towards the end of the season, the results um, results didn't go our way as 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 much as we would have, have liked for it to happen. Um, you know, of course, you know I'd, I'd been promoted before we, with Newcastle and. This was the next opportunity, you know, and build, the build-up to the game or the build-up to, to the weeks uh, prior to the game, it's all about trying to become a Premier League football player, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, that's what you want. And I'd missed the opportunity when, when Kevin had got rid of me at Newcastle and that was that was thing. But as I say, I, I, I see it as it's just a football decision. Looking, looking back now, you said there the results never went the way. It was a... What, why? What was the... Um, I don't know really. Actually, um, you, you sort of you look back and you try and sort of piece together. You know, you look at the fixtures and you look back and where you played, how you played, where you didn't get a result, where yeah. you should. But because we, Chris, you know, we all look and think oh, before the game, we're going to win today. Yeah, I know. What you, mean. you know, yeah. Yeah. You, you do, don't you? You've yeah. got you've got that feeling, and then you come off afterwards and you think, what happened? You know, why didn't I perform? Why didn't he perform? Why didn't he? What, you know, what happened? And it's it's the nature of nature of sport. That people don't turn up at certain times. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand that. Because it's just when you look at that squad. I mean, I was again. I was looking back through it when we were preparing for you coming in, and that squad that you had almost had like a an ideal mix of there was people who had had plenty of Wolves experience who'd been there a while. Mm. Steve Balls, Andy Thompsons, yeah. Robbie Dennisons. There was the the cult figures. From within it, the John De Wolfs and whatnot. From a strike force point of view, you bully and Don. You had young up and coming players that were in and around it. Exciting players like Steve Frogger, experience in shirtlift and Cowans mm-hmm. and whatnot. We were decent. Everything <laughs> seemed to be there for yeah. that to be a really good team. Yeah, it's and the the long and short of it. At the end, we came up short. You know that's that's. That's what happens all the time in football. We can, we all go back and look at different teams that we've been involved in and played with, and always have that. I I do these days, you know, as as an old coach now. I always look back and think, could have done a little bit better, should have done a little bit better. It's a little bit disappointing, you know. And supporters do it all the time because it's the the, the whole life revolves around the football club that they they support, and they they get more disappointment than any players will ever get. I think I think uh, as 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 footballers, I think we're probably our own worst critic. You know, absolutely. How were you? You know, after a performance, how much depth would you go into? You know, uh, it used to completely ruin my weekend. Yep. Used to, my my wife used to say, you know, you need to have a chat with yourself because <laughs> <laughs> we've got kids now, and you got yep. you got to start being happy on a Sunday. And it was it was awful. I used to be a, such a miserable so-and-so. But you learned, though, didn't you? Then you, you put you put that things into practice, and yeah. the next game you know exactly what you need to yeah. do, isn't Monday it? Monday morning, start again. It's all gone. You know, when I, I, I've never been a... a, a, a you analyse the game um, as a player and as a coach. You analyse it over the weekend, and you, you go through bits and bobs sometimes at the start of the week. I was always trying and always wanting to, to put it to bed really quickly. So then you could focus on on the next next one that's coming, and I found that through my coaching career as well that that I try and sort of um, evaluate what's went on, and then sort of try and quickly move on as as best you can because you've got to rebuild again, you've yeah. got to start again, you've got to prepare for the next game. Yeah, is that what made Graham Taylor good? Yeah, I didn't realise how good Graham was until I actually left the club. Really weird and. Um, <laughs> it's saying strange, but he wrote me a letter um, when I left, um, just to explain his decision of what, you know why why he sold me and why 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 I went. Um, you know, you get a, a WhatsApp <laughs> or a Twitter <laughs> or a Facebook, whatever these yeah. days, wouldn't you? Um, you know, and I went up to Sunderland and and, and had a mixed time at, at Sunderland, but looking back I realised what a really good manager he was you know and of course he went about a month after I'd left you know he, he got fired um, which was obviously disappointing for him um, but he knew the game he was he was a, a really good tactician he was really good on the training ground and I really liked working for him um, and as I say when I left I realised what I thought of him um, having worked with him for a short period of time so you know obviously uh an absolute legend of a man, and everyone got so many good words. Mm-hmm. But what what you went to, obviously, and what was the difference? What was 
you said that you really realised how good yeah. he was. What was it that made him made him what what, what he was? I think his preparation. I think yeah. that, that that how he tried to prepare the team. He 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 was always talking about um, double headers. He was always talking about although you, you're playing a double header in five months apart, you play. Um, Exeter at home yeah. and then you play him again in January yeah. so he was always talking about double headers he was always talking about getting four points against that team or outdoing that team getting six points against that team and that's how he sort of although they were they were um, not quick turnaround games he was always looking so you win on a Saturday he'd put he'd write it down beat Bolton when we're playing Bolton again in three months time beat them again we get four and eventually those point systems would then end up getting promoted because if you get the, the better of eighteen twice, yeah, you're going to end up in the top two. And it was how you sort of built and how you thought about things, which I, which I quite liked and was, you know, really respected in full. Was he, sorry, was he very hands-on, like man management, yeah, yeah. person to person, like? yeah, yeah, he was. He was. He was always involved. Steve Harrison was his coach. H was brilliant. Really, really, really good coach. Great guy. Um, and I thought they they worked really well together. Is it, how did that work then when you suddenly weren't in the team? Oh, it was a nightmare, yeah. I wanted to kill him. <laughs> I did. I, I, he was just like, gaffer, come on. And I used to, I wasn't one for, uh, which you said earlier on about how, how, I, how I coach these days and how, how I see things differently. Because I was a nightmare. If I was out of the team, I was a nightmare because I was miserable I wanted. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play first team football all the time. And if I was out the team, I used to just. I just. I could cause mayhem at times. Awful. When you say like, so when you say mayhem, I think. I think you, it should hurt you not to play. Yeah. I think the first things you do, you, you tap on the manager door. You say, all the what, time. What can I do to get in your team? Yeah. What am I not doing? What needs to be better? And I agree with that. I think too many players today are comfortable not to be playing. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they sit in the stand. When you say you're a nightmare, you still go about work as professional yes, as you can, absolutely. train as best as you can, but like you say, you're I'm miserable. You're, yeah. yeah. Gaffer, can I have a chat? Yeah. Ned, I had a chat with you yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we're playing on Saturday, so, you know, what's the story? Just just train, you be better in training, which is always the answer from everybody. You know, do your work on the training ground. So I was never, never an issue with training or stuff mm. like that or messing sessions up and that, that, that wasn't the case I was just so disappointed that I wasn't playing on the Saturday Did he ever fully explain why because I mean you'd scored what 22 goals in you made the most appearances out of anybody mm. in that season and we're going to talk about the FA Cup run in a minute but between the FA Cup and getting to the playoffs I think you made 54 appearances 22 goals the first time in 8 years anybody had scored more than Bully and then you're not in the team <laughs> Bully got fit is that, was that simply it? <laughs> not, not, not just simply that. You know, it, it signed Don. You know, Gafford signed um, Ralphie. Ralphie was a really good signing for us as well. You know, Bully had been injured for a little while, and and three into two didn't go. He saw it as two strikers. He didn't see it as the days of playing a three up. Yep. You know, three out and out strikers up. Twenty five years ago would would never have happened. It was two strikers, four midfield players, and yeah, two wide, wide player, wide player, and back four. So, three into two didn't go. And, of course, if he's playing Bully and Don, or he's playing Don and myself, one of us are missing out. You know? And his trade-off, um, as I said earlier on about the, the letter that he, he sent me, was that he needed money to, to buy a midfield player where he thought... Uh, and it was... Um, I can't think what, what the guy um, who he signed when I left. But he wanted to um, get some money in to replace the striker because he got... An overload of strikers with a midfield player, um, Atkins was the boy who won the league at Blackburn. Is it Mark Atkins? Mark Atkins, yeah. yeah. He, he signed him after I went, and he signed him, and he financed the money that he got for me on him, and he wanted the midfield player. And that letter, it was just basically a reason why. Yeah. Did it go into a little bit more depth yeah. as well? Because obviously you had a fantastic relationship yeah. with him. He, he he told me that he hadn't got the you know the he had to finance what he thought was going to be. Uh, an area in his team where he was overloaded up front yeah. he wanted another midfield player and the finance had to come from somewhere and I was a trade-off you know, and as I say I, I haven't got an issue I hadn't got an issue with him at all it was just a football decision In the benefit of hindsight and this has come up quite a bit on this podcast already in the, the episodes we've done would you have 
preferred to stay, Bully's, given how everything turned out? <laughs> Bully says to me a, a, a while ago, you should have stayed. And I went, I said, but at the time, when the decision was, when I was out the team, and then I found out that, that I mean, Sunderland are a huge club as well, yeah. you know, were interested in me. I said, at the time, the decision was, was quite an easy decision as well. I'm not playing in the team. I want to play first team football. I might have to go. And Bully's saying, stop, stop. At the time, he was saying, you know, stay, stay. You know, and it just wasn't to be. I just find it interesting that's how exactly, many times... It's exactly same. You know, I've, I've got a... We're playing in the Premier League. I've got a year left. And Burnley come in off my three-year contract. Mm. And I had that chat we said to Mick. And yeah. it, what, what he said, like, uh, you're, you're, you're going to play some games you'll be on the bench you might not even make the yeah. bench what have they offered you they match the contract in the championship yeah. and it is you've got to think about security and all that as yeah. well at the end of it Scott Goldborn was on the other week and he's exactly the same yeah. I, was th- I was thinking about playing on the Saturday Yeah, that's as far as I got I got forward I wasn't thinking about uh, the next contract or more money or anything just wanting to play I wanted to play you know and Graham wasn't playing me I remember sitting on the <laughs> I remember sitting on the bench I think it was at South End thinking I've got to get in somebody's team here you know what's what's going on, and I'm sitting there thinking, I don't want to sit on this bench. I want to get on the pitch, and it was driving me driving me bananas. And Bully yeah. kept saying, "Stay, stay, stay. Just you know, give it a bit more time." And I'm going, "I've got to go, mate. I've got to go." Um, you did obviously feature an awful lot, as we mentioned that year before. Actually, part of the thing when we were looking at this, the FA Cup, because everyone remembers that run. We've just been watching the Sheffield Wednesday penalty <laughs> shootout, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, I'd forgotten you had Wolves, which is the quarterfinals the year before as well. You had a really great yeah. spell in the FA Cup in those couple of we years. We were all right. We had a good team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, it, the times, because the, the, the ground, everybody and anybody who plays here, the ground jumps when the team are doing well. The, the, the ground vibrates. It really does. And you can feel it as a player on the pitch. I, I have always thought you can feel it. You can feel that, that connection. So when you're playing well and you're doing well, you can feel the, the, the togetherness. You know, and we, we, we've done quite well in the FA Cup a few times. Well, speaking about yourself in the FA Cup, you, 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 were, you were outstanding. <laughs> Do you think it's kind of lost its way a little bit, how people regard it? Um, I still think it's the greatest competition in world football. Um, I think for the very, very big clubs, I think that, that I think they've lost that. I don't know whether respect is the, the right word for it. Um, but I think that they've got other bigger, bigger fishes to, to fry, sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas for everybody else, you know, you watch the FA Cup over the weekend. All these teams, these these little the Chorleys and Mansfields, and all these different types of clubs that are involved in it. it's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And it takes you back for when you were when you were younger about watching the world, watching the FA Cup, and watching um, the players actually going through the rounds and getting closer and closer and closer to the big match. Because the big match is the best game of the season, in my opinion. Yeah. It really is. You know, Much better than the Champions League. I love the FA Cup. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Well, because you mentioned going through the rounds. <clears throat> it's one of those things that fascinates me sometimes. Because when you look at that 1995 run, actually, you were 2-0 down at Mansfield. That nearly <laughs> nearly never happened. <laughs> yeah. It was your goal that got them back into it. Did, we, was it end up, did it end up 3-2? Yeah. Yeah. I think... Um, Graham was Graham Tyler was manager. I think you might have got a couple in that game. Yeah, I, um, did Wolfie score? I will. Yeah, I will you check need to it check that out. Yeah, that. but um, but yeah, I think uh, I think he he flipped at half time the gaffer, and I, I, I think if I remember this right, he actually sent us out the dressing room early, and to stand on the pitch, to collect our thoughts and de- <laughs> decide as a team what we're going to do. Turn all down at half time. You're thinking, yeah. I think we need to have a chat with each other. And I remember going out thinking, right, come on, you know, we're supposed to be quite decent. I was like, Let, let's, let's get going. You were 2-0 down after 10 minutes. You score after 52. Denison and then Mills completes the turn. Lee Mills, gosh. He went bad as well, Millsy, you know. He was decent, Millsy. Probably the big man, yeah. Uh, just yet, yeah, and then obviously you went on to Sheffield Wednesday. That's, uh, that game must have been... <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I see how excited you're getting just watching yeah. it before we, we come it, on here. But. Incredible game. Um, Kevin Pressman, the Sheffield Wednesday goalkeeper, scored the best penalty <laughs> ever. <Yeah. laughs> ever. I still haven't seen a better penalty than, than him scoring that. Um, and 
you know, sadly for, for Chris at the end of it, you know, he uh, he goes and misses, but brilliant for us. Well, because this is the thing that a couple of weeks back we did a, a question to people about um, the greatest game that Wolves fans had watched and a lot of people bought up that Sheffield Wednesday game and it, it's not because there's lots of goals in here. <laughs> no. I mean, it's 1-1 in the replay and but it's the penalty shootout. It's the Kevin Pressman penalty. It's the fact that Chris Waddle in a shootout for the first time since Italia 90 and when we were watching it you see John DeWolf giving him some absolute pelters <laughs> as he's walking up to take the penalty. We'll talk about him on the podcast extra by the way. But that night and you mentioned about Molyneux bouncing mm. when it's going right that well, kind of sums it up doesn't it? it well yeah absolutely you know the, the first two penalties um tomo the greatest penalty taker ever misses <laughs> <laughs> how does the midget miss he's like, it's like <laughs> what are you doing because <laughs> he, he was brilliant at, he was brilliant at pens tomo absolutely brilliant robbie misses and then then sid scores doesn't he so and gets us that little sort of uh window back into it um you know, but you can see from like you just said there about Wolfie when he steps back and then Chris walks up. Now my penalty was a no pressure penalty. I disagree. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting, sitting, seeing me. You're walking up. I'm it's, terrible at taking penalties as well. Yeah, but you've stepped up. Like you've seen uh, in, in the video there, you see uh, Chris trying trying to kind of. I think he's trying to trick away. He didn't want to take it, didn't yeah. he? You've yeah. stepped up. That penalty yeah. is massive. Yeah, I didn't sort of see it that way because I wasn't very good. I've never ever been very good at penalties. Never. Really, I used to take them because I, it was the. I used to think well, I've got a chance of scoring. I've got fifty-fifty opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why I used to think I've got a chance here. Um, but yeah, I didn't see it at the time. At the, walking up at the time, I thought oh, it's no pressure penalty really because you know we're probably not going to go through. So I score, I score. They're going to score, and it's going to be all over. Little did we know. Having gone through, if it had gone into VAR with that penalty wow. going on, <laughs> don't stop me off again. H- having gone through that, got through that, having beaten Leicester, you score again, and suddenly you're thinking, "Blimey, we're on a charge here." <clears throat> the Leicester game was a great game as well. Yeah, yeah, it really was. So, how disappointing was it then to have what happened against Palace? Yeah, massively, because it was again what we were just saying there, Chris, about. You know the, the the stage is set, and you're you're already willing and able to go, and you don't play so well because I didn't because we didn't play so well on the day. You know, Palace were the better team, and you know they end up knocked us, knocking us out. But we just didn't turn up. But we turned up the other games before. It just didn't happen that day. It's funny how that works sometimes, isn't it? it oh, you can almost feel like your name's written on the trophy, and then in a flash, it's not. That's football. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, when you cross that line, just little moments in a match can can change it. You know, I, I remember being under the caution a game, and all of a sudden, someone just goes and puts in a challenge. Yeah, and it goes right here. We go. We're in a match now, and that's and there's a difference. That is that just one one ta- and and sadly, the tackles are going out of football these days. Yes. The, the the ones we t- we talk about the the, the crunches, the, the the good ones, the fair ones as well, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, now it's 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 a bit of skill or it's a little bit of a, maybe a decent pass or something. But you're absolutely right. There's always something that just changes something for everybody. Right. Last you, couple of minutes of I, our can show. Can I just say, just, I remember you said when, when, when Kenny Hibbert was in front of us about how much how much would you be today? <laughs> Lord, you don't, don't be, don't be yeah. modest here because yeah. you, know what, you, you knew how to put the ball in the basket. Hardest thing to do in football. I think I, yeah. I valued him at about 14 million. Did 14 I million? That's miles 14 more than million. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I, I think, you know, like people say about, you know, in, in today's game and stuff like that, it's different. It's different. I, I, I view it as, as being different. Players are different. Different generations that, that come through. Everybody can play and be, be good in their generation. Can you swap over? I think there's only certain people can swap over. I don't think I could play and score as many goals as I did playing today. I don't, honestly. It's, it's quite modest. That is. Right, that's just, just how I see it. You know, you, there's players that you think the world is and you can play for anywhere, you know, and, and any generation and whatever. But there's, there's other players, good players, but I don't think they, they can cross over. Because we've been talking a lot recently about um, comparing eras and times. And I asked Looms about whether he felt he played in the best time for him. Do you feel that? Yeah, I do, yeah. I do. I feel I feel blessed and honoured that I was able to play. Yeah. You know, I was. I, I, I 
started as a as a youth at Alf Church and then went to Cadbury's, worked at Cadbury's for a couple of years, ended up getting a break at Warsaw. And then I've had 35 years out of football from a break at Warsaw. Um, so I feel that I've, I've, I've been really, really fortunate. I do. I, I, and I say, as I say, I wouldn't want to play today. Okay. Well, I'd talk- like the dough, but I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> the Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. For the best price locally, head to wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk. So that was the show. Um, I'm fascinated, actually, that you don't think you're worth that much money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, in the modern game, a, a player like yourself, with the experience that you had, and it's similar to what I was talking to <clears throat> Looms about, that, you know, that's 15 to 20 million in this day and age. I'd, at I'd, least minimum. I'd say minimum. Yeah, minimum. And I, I completely disagree with what you're saying <laughs> that you couldn't play today because you, you'd score goals today as well. Yeah, I, I think that's... Um, Preparation is different now from when we used to prepare, definitely. Um, sports scientists and, and dietitians and all the rigmarole and the amount of staff that, that football yeah. clubs have these days to make to make you be the best player you possibly can on a Saturday. We never had that. We used to have a physio. <laughs> and if you got a rub off the physio, you were like really, really lucky because you can't do 12 rubs. <laughs> the magic and you, and then you used to think, oh, I can't be bothered, I ain't waiting. <laughs> And that's what that's what used to happen. Where now, it's just all laid out for them. But I think the game's moved moved on so much. Um, players are far fitter. They are they are, they are better specimens. They, I think the game's quicker. I do. I think the game's at the highest level. I think it's quicker. Okay. Um, we're going to go through our rundown. So we did give you an opportunity to think a little bit about this, and then we bombarded you with other questions since. So, um, <laughs> who was the best player? that you played with at Wolves? Um, I was fortunate because I played with loads of good players. So I'll say that. So leaving anybody... Well, I'm going to pick one, but leaving anybody else. But Froggy and Tony Daly and Jeff Thomas, Kevin Keane, um, you know, Vino. Vino was a... Yeah, Vino was a a tough, tough, good player. You know, old school, a little bit old school. um, Not pretty on the eye. Um... But he was really good, and but purely and simply because he's the best finisher I've played played with. Um, he's old fathead bully, you know. <laughs> <laughs> best goal scorer. I call him. He's got. And by the way, he's the strongest man on planet Earth. He's a nightmare. I remember him bench pressing the whole of the the, the, the rack in the in the gym, and I'm like, can't pick two of them. <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you doing? You know. He's <laughs> but yeah, I think bully purely and simply because how he scored. Yeah. He scored all the time, he, he, and he was injured quite a bit when I was here. So he was sort of in and out, and he was always trying to chase fitness. But him, he could score either foot, any type of goal. You know, you knock it up to him, and it bounce off him, and he'd give it away, and he'd like smack himself in the head, and then then crack on it. And then you'd fire him through, and you knew he wasn't missing the target. Yeah, very rarely missed the target. Yeah. See, this, before you move on, by the way, I just want to mention this because I say I was doing the stats and looking at it and your 22 goals came in 54 games to outscore Bully. Bully still scored 16 in 31 games. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Like, Ridiculous. Still a yeah. one in two record. Yeah. That is, that's unbelievable. No. It, it's, it's an easy shout for, for, to say Bully, you know, because he, he was a complete machine. And as I say, when I was, the two years and a bit that I was here, he was injured quite a bit, so he was always trying to chase his way back into the team to, yeah. to get himself fit. Which Chris, you know as well as I do, when you've been out for a while, it's difficult to get up to match match pace to a certain degree. But he always used to score. Still, still scored. Practice maker. Yeah. <laughs> right. Worst trainer at the club, John DeWolf. Oh come on, <laughs> John DeWolf. He, absolute diabolical. <laughs> we, we we signed him in the summer, so pre-season pre-season training's tough. Runs, distances, cross countries, three-day training days, and all that sort of stuff. Three-session training days and all that sort of stuff. Wolfie, we could we would be doing a lap, and Wolfie would be going around the centre circle. I, I kid you not, honestly. So you do a lap of the pitch, and he'd sort of start the lap with you, and then as he'd go, he'd sort of cut into the six-yard box, then he'd go around a little bit more. He cut across the pitch a little bit more. He'd get to the other 18-yard box and he'd be outside the 18-yard box while we were on the outside. 
And then by the time we got round again, he was five yards off the centre circle. And it's like, what are you doing? I don't run. <laughs> that was it. I, I, I don't run. I don't do this madness. <laughs> and there's us like <laughs> running around the track. And he's running around the centre circle. I kid you not, honestly. Terrible, absolutely terrible. Because he's a remarkable guy. I mean, you watch the, some of the footage yeah. back from it. He's got a trick at um, Port Vale. Um, centre off. <laughs> he gets an trick. Brilliant. Fantastic. He still loves the club as well. Yeah. Um, we signed, um, signed a player. I'm looking towards the boys in the back to remind me of it. Um, Dutch striker that we've signed recently that's pretty much never played, hence why. Paul Gladden, that's it. Thank you, Yanni. Um, Paul Gladden. And when Paul Gladden came and we asked him kind of, do you know anything about Wolves? And he was like, well, I've met John DeWolf. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... That sums it, it up. Yeah, everybody in the room was like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah fine. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll do. <laughs> <laughs> um, who was the biggest moaner at the club? Vino. Vino's terrible. He could, he could moan about... Mind you, if you speak to Froggy, Froggy would probably say, I was a bit of a moaner as well. But I used to moan about food. You know, I, do you know when you have, <laughs> do you know when you have uh, chicken and it's grey? It's not really chicken, is it? And we, used to go, we used to go to this hotel, to Froggy and Tomo and Bully and all of them, they'll, they'll say, and Don, they'll, they'll all tell you this. I used to moan about the colour of the chicken because the chicken was grey. And I'm like, what are we eating here? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Vino, Vino is terrible. He was just, he was just, a, he's just a miserable person. You know, he really is. He knows more about football than anybody in the whole of the world, according to Vino. Um, but he, he could moan for, for Great Britain, Northern Ireland, and all surrounding countries. <laughs> terrible. See, I, I want to get Mark Venus on this program. Get him, get him on. That'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's your best friend uh, in football? Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've got a few. Um, Steve Froggy. Um, from my times here, Paul Devlin, uh, Tomo, Little Tinky, Stevie Frail. I, I've got, honestly, I can do, give you a sort of list of all the lads that I speak to, and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still pally with. Um, yeah, so, and I'm fortunate because I, I live local and there's quite a lot of lads who live by us. <laughs> so, get to have a pint with everybody. Um, best and worst dress sense? Me, I'm definitely the best dressed me, me, without doubt. Nobody else. They're all rubbish. Uh, Bully. Bully always looks like a tramp. Froggy. Steve Froggy can buy the best Armani suit and he can still look like he's got it out of Primark. Tony Daly said exactly the same yeah. thing. See, Dales, Dales, isn't, Dales would never be the best dressed because he's, he's weird. Dales is just weird. He just puts things together that just look strange because he's top heavy and he's got no legs. He's got like, legs that look like pieces of string and he goes up in this massive V. He thinks he, he looks good, but Froggy is awful. I kid you not, he's awful. His wife as well, Jules, is brilliant and beautiful, and she can't even sort him out. <laughs> Who was the funniest player that you played with? Um, played with a few, a few of them. Paul Birch, bless him, was a re- really funny guy. I think together, Mark Rankin and Darren Ferguson yeah. were really funny. They used to just like bounce off each other all the time and slag each other off something rotten. They, were, they used to slaughter each other. You Best don't get friend. that view of Darren Ferguson as a, when he was a manager. Yeah, he is. He's a, he's, a, he's a funny kid. Paul Cook as well. Paul, Paul, Cook, <laughs> Paul Cook is completely and utterly mad. He's he, Out of everybody I've ever come across in football, Paul Cook knows more about football. Generally, genuinely, he does. He's brilliant. He's absolutely, He's obsessed by it. He's absolutely obsessed, but he's still got a Liverpool season ticket and he's manager of Wigan. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Fer- Fergie and Ranks, because I used to have to pick them up and then Fergie's old fella would phone him up and make sure that he was on his way to training. <laughs> and then you picked him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> um, this will be a tough one, because there's only two. The best manager that you worked for, Turner v Taylor, effectively. Um... Can you pick between them? Yeah, I, I, yeah, Taylor. I, I would say. I think that I think that when when I signed um, for Graham, he'd been here for quite quite a while. There was a few things that were still the same that had been here for quite a while. Um, yeah, I, I think Graham Taylor. Yeah, I would say Graham Taylor. What would you say is the best goal you scored? Um, diving header against Leicester. 
Easy. That's the cup game. Yeah, easy. Yeah, and also we've been given a little bit. Of, Mark McGee had given us a bit of stick before the game, so it was like sort of, it was nice to score. But it was a it was a good goal because they had a corner and then we broke away. You know, Ralphie went down the wing and and then cro- I caught him up and then he crossed it and I dived in and scored. So yeah, that was my favourite goal. Brilliant. Um, what was the best game that you were involved in? I guess aside from that Sheffield Wednesday game. Um. <clears throat> I think, I think actually, I think the Leicester game. It, it was just the, the, again. I said to you earlier on about how the ground was was sort of shaking, and it, it was it was a good game. The Leicester game was a good game, and and the the goal sort of capped off a, a, a good performance, a really good performance. And as I said earlier on, we'd got the crowd on side as well. And although there was there was there was twists and turns and and possibilities to score and misses and all that sort of stuff, we we were we thoroughly deserved to win the game, and I, I really enjoyed it. We genuinely ask people to give us tales from the training ground. Some potentially funny stories. Now, you and I obviously share a very mutual friend, <laughs> a Mr. Andy Thompson. Um, Is he? Oh, no, he's not there. <laughs> See, he could be stood up under this table, Tomo. He could. <laughs> they're so close that we've been at games where me and Tom have been commentating and Nez just come and sat next to us and I've offered to give him some headphones and try and get him involved. He's like, no, no. He just sits there giggling away and putting messages to Tomo and stuff. I, te- I text Tomo when he's sat next to me just, just to bug him because his phone goes off. He doesn't turn his phone off, does he? <laughs> So Are you standing up on that seat, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> I am allowed to say we. Uh, I, I can't remember who called him Tinky Winky. You know the um, what were those? Um, the uh, Teletubbies. Yeah, <laughs> somebody called him Tinky Winky. <laughs> so he's in my phone as Tinky Winky. <laughs> you also so call you need, him. Lord, you've got another nickname. Lord Farquhar. Yeah. yeah. Lord Farquhar. Yeah. <laughs> From Shrek. Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> He is the smallest man in football. He is. He, he's the widest as well. Now he's big and big and fat because he can't be bothered to train. But but now he's. Uh, but he's Lord Farquhar as well. I, I love him. I do. He's brilliant. Brilliant kid. So you, your group of players, got up to a lot, didn't you? We did. Yeah. Good job. We never had social media. That's why I don't want to play these days. <laughs> well, now statute of limitations has gone, so you can <laughs> spill the beans. Yeah. No. Paul. Paul Cook. I remember Cookie being out. And he, he, <laughs> and he comes to the training ground, and, and we just signed Cyril Regis. Cyril Regis is a, a, a god of a man, you know. As as an Albion supporter, Cyril was like my boyhood hero. So I remember, <laughs> Big C coming to the change room. So I moved everybody out of the way and sat next to Big C because I wanted to sit next to him. And Paul Cook came in, and he looked as if he'd just been around the back and put the bins out. And he hadn't been home. He'd slept, he'd slept somewhere. Can't say. I think he slept under a bush. But he looked, and Cyril looked at him. And don't forget, Cyril is like immaculate, and he's got all the all the things in the right places, and his gear's brilliant. And then Cookie turns up, looks like looks like a homeless person. <laughs> Piece of toast in his mouth, cup of tea in his hand, spitting and talking about the football that was on the night before. And getting introduced to Cyril and sort of half spitting his toes to him. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, it's terrible. You mentioned being Albion. Was that hard? No, not at all. I, I saw it, honestly, I saw it. I got, I got quite a bit of stick off both sides. But as I say, when, when I was leaving, leaving Newcastle, Wolves were the only team that I spoke to. Nottingham Forest came in afterward, after I'd, I'd already given uh, Graham my word that I was coming. Um, and I said to Frank Clark, I've already given my word, I'm going to the Wolves. And strangely, he offered me a couple of quid more and all that sort of stuff. And I went, no, you're OK, I'm going to the Wolves, that's it. And I saw it because it's cause it's a really, really, really big club. That's where, that's where I wanted to be, I wanted yeah. to go to big clubs. So it was a no-brainer. It didn't matter that I was an Albion fan. It, st- it still doesn't matter today. You know, as, as much as people say, mm, you know, you're from the other side, I'm not bothered, I'm honestly not bothered at all. Because it's that thing, isn't it, of, of being a, a fan of a rival club and people can accuse you kind of not trying... Like, I, I watched you play football. I, wouldn't, I would never in a million years said that it would affect you. No, I, I, I think the best part of my um, character and makeup as a player was that I always tried my best. Yep. That, that, that was the given, you know. Run around, have a go, run around. And I think football supporters respect that more so than the better gifted players 
who do it one in every five or six. Yeah, and I'm still I'm a bit like that today as a coach. I like to see the lads who are who are you know all in for you. We'll we'll give you everything all the time, and that's how I saw it. That's how I was. No, that's spot on. I think uh, me myself, I always thought no, I'm not good enough. So I couldn't be complacent. You had to make sure that you'd done exactly what everything in your power to make sure that you you put in the right performance. And I, it's the same. That's what I looked for when I was assistant. Yeah. And players thinking, all right, he, could, he may be not as good as him technically, but look what he does every yeah. day. Boom, he's at it. And yeah. He has a go. Yeah. You know, he, he has a go. And as I say, that's where I would say that that my strength was is that I wanted to win. I wanted to play. I wanted to train. I yeah. wanted to get on with it. I just wanted to, you know, be a player. Because one of the things that I really like about this is giving players an opportunity to finish off by kind of saying, how would you like to be remembered? Your As a trier. As a trier. As simple as that, really. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had a go all the time and I, I tried my best. I might not have been the best, but I tried my best all the time. And that's how, that's, you know, how I would like to like you say, be remembered. David, it's been brilliant having you back in it's weird calling you David yeah because only my mum calls me David <laughs> <laughs> when I've got Ken, loads of other names <laughs> when Kenny Hibbert when, when Hibbert was in and it was a brilliant you line Kenneth we, yeah well we used it we used it as the title because he said that um, his mum uh, referred to him and said you only call me Kenneth when I'm naughty <laughs> I get called David a lot <laughs> <laughs> the old gold club Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. Thanks for downloading the Old Gold Club podcast. For more great content, Check out rules.co.uk or follow at rules on social media. Oh, and by the way, please support us by rating and reviewing our podcast on iTunes and Spotify.